Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Holmes and Matt Connor. I am Sterling Holmes. Got a fun one today. Scott Loring will join. Give us some updates on his newest article that dropped on arrowheadaddict.com, taking a look at the matchups in training camp. So very excited that'll be in the middle of this show. But first, Matt Connor, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Wait, I'm taking friendly fire. I'm taking friendly fire. I'm taking friendly fire from Chiefs Kingdom for loving a member of the Chiefs. I don't know. Look, if I'm if I'm Tyrong, I don't want to be right. If you know what I'm saying. I love no I love Matt. So Matt, I gotta stop you. Matt, I gotta stop you. Give I screenshot give the content. Yeah, I, I screenshotted this because before we even were gonna talk about this, I go. <laughs> I go, Matt's an absolute idiot, <laughs> uh, like prisoner of the moment. Like, gosh, and, and then, you, you took a picture because you knew you were like, what a BS take. That's what you think. That's what you do when you take screenshots. So this tweet from Matt Connor, it reads, Tyron Matthew is a top five all time Chiefs player for me. Extend the man. Yep. I agree with the second statement. Extend the man. I okay. agree that Tyron Matthew is a very good Chiefs player. Top okay. five all time? Are you out of your dome? Okay, what's Are the... you out of your gourd? <laughs> what's the last two words on that first sentence? Read them again. For me. For me, right? I've got five guys I love in Chiefs history. Four, uh, four as much as I love Matthew. Christian Okoye. Derek Thomas, Patrick Mahomes, and Jamal Charles. After that, no DJ, no Dante Hall, no Trent Green, Priest Holmes, whoever, you know, no, I'm not old enough to have watched Willie Lanier or Lynn Dawson, whatever. I'm sure they're all great. We won a Super Bowl and we don't win one without Matthew. He's the face of a defense that turned around. I love him. Are are you saying favorite player? Are you saying top five as in like he is one of the top five best players in Chiefs history? Because there's a huge distinction here. Your tweet, I screenshotted it because it read like, oh, Tyron Matthew is a top five player in Chiefs history. I meant it. I mean, at the time that I wrote it, I wrote, he's a top five player for me, as in he's one of my top five favorite Chiefs I ever got to watch. Christian Okoye was my portal into the Chiefs. I was 10. I saw the Nigerian Nightmare. He's always going to be number one. Derek Thomas, always going to be number two, because he should be number one if I didn't have such man love for Christian Okoye. (laughs) By the way, Christian, if you're out there, I would love to hang out as much as you would ever let me at your house. Anyway. 
other than those guys, Matthew had no problem making my list. I think a lot of people took that to mean Tyron Matthew is one of the top five talented Chiefs players to ever put on the jersey. I get yeah, why that's that how it would reads, shake. Matt. That's how it reads. Uh, that's why I, I screenshotted me, it. Right? Yeah, but for me, I mean, that's also I... like saying Patrick Mahomes. Is, like, I get what you're saying. I understand, but it reads like, sorry. So if you want to go to Matt Connor AA, go to his Twitter account and just see the bloodbath that he is taking. It's absolutely <laughs> outstanding. I mean, it's not the worst. I mean, it's not the worst. I mean, a ton of people are like, yeah, love him, love him. One of the best, blah, 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 blah. Lots of likes, whatever. But yeah, there's also this segment that's like the protectors of opinion. And I just should have said, hey, this is my opinion. He's one of my favorites. I miss, I misworded it. Maybe I should back up. But you know what? All this friendly fire only makes me want to say, you know what? He's one of the five best ever. Suck it. <laughs> Whatever. I know I'm I'm lying when I say that. That's not true at all. But I, I just love him. I just, the, the guy, the guy would shed blood for the team that he plays for. I mean, I just, I just love him. I don't know how, I don't know how to get around this. I can't get around it. I've just got to drive through it. I'm like that car. I'm like that car where the roads flooded and you're like, don't drive, don't drive. And it even stops before to survey it. And you're like, oh, my tires are this tall. The water seems that tall. And you're, and then he starts to drive forward and you're like, don't do it. And I drove through it. So I, I, I don't know. Whatever. Here we are. I was just going to say, speaking of players' houses, because you said you wanted to chill over at Christian Okoye's house. I used to go to Will Shields' house when I was a kid because I was a very good friend with his son. We used to play basketball together. And like the only thing I remember was that he had bongos. Like he had bongos and congas set up. And I used to go and just play on those bad boys, which is a very weird thing. (laughs) So that's like, like normally when you think of going to an NFL Hall of Famer's house, you're like, Oh, you know, what's all there? Like, I don't remember much, but I was, I was pretty young. I was like, Oh dude, those congas are (laughs) sick. Let me just, let me rip on those bad boys. Uh, That is pretty funny. Although I will say, do you think that's why he's good hands though? He probably has good hands because he was, he was playing on the, uh, you know, some, some rhythm. I no. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah. I'm I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. You're, you're you're smart. When you're, when you're a little kid, is there anything more interesting than something that you could bang on, right? Like if you ever see a drum set uh, left unattended, of course you walk over to it and I get it. How old were you, by the way? Oh, I don't know. I... Six, eight, 19. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd say like legally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was pretty young. We used to play like basketball and sports together. Very nice guy. Will Shields, It like – it's always nice when you meet people because I met him again back at the station and I've met him a few times just throughout the years just because events and stuff. One of the nicest human beings of all time. It's so nice and refreshing seeing like a professional athlete who was just an absolutely genuine, great human being. Somebody like you look up to in multiple senses because like he's also like six, six. But also, he's lost so much weight. Like he he's like skinny now, and it's crazy. Like when you think of Will Shields playing, you're like, oh, that's a large human being. You see him now, and you're like, he's cut, but like a skinny cut. He's like a svelte, yeah, a svelte figure. Hey, is he is Will Shields in your top five? 
Oh, yeah. Will Shields, top five. Dante Hall's in the top five. Priest Holmes, last name, got to be in the top five. Uh, Tony G, top five. I know yeah. people love to hate on Tony Gonzalez, but those people got to get over it. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, just get over it. He's Tony G, he, he basically said he liked, he enjoyed playing for playoffs. I get it. Guess what? Move on. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl. He didn't. That's great. Uh, number five. Mm. Like Patrick Mahomes obviously has got to be in the top five. But that's like a like a given. So okay. if we just that's don't put him in there, if we don't put it, it's like a freebie. Everyone's gonna have Patrick. It's the free pass and bingo. Ugh. Number five. That's a toss up. I really, really like Tony Richardson for some reason. Like as a kid, I was a huge T Rich guy. Okay. I was devastated when he when he went to the Jets. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> make fullbacks great again and i've come full circle now where i'm like why have a fullback on your roster never run the football ever again are you saying michael burton isn't your favorite current player uh blake bell yeah i know <laughs> wait you said it was a toss-up <laughs> you, you said it was either tony richardson or Was there I, I don't. I don't have anything. I think I just pulled a Charles Barkley where I said first of all, but that was it. Like <laughs> I think I just pulled a Charles Barkley. I go, I you know, it. first of all, and then just there was no second of all. There was no more, no more to the equation. It was just this or that. But it was literally just a, a this. Hey, I, I need you to go on Twitter and say Tony Richardson is a top five Chiefs player of all time. What What's next? Eddie Kinnison's going to get his name dropped. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Let's talk pro football focus just for a second, my friend, because they came out with their top 50 players using their super secret formula. I think it's like a mixture of Heinz 57 and, and the, the secret code to get extra lives and Contra on the Nintendo, which was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. B a select start, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> Using whatever their metric or formula is, PFF came out with the top 50 players for the 2021 season. Number one, Aaron Donald. Got no problem with that. We're watching maybe the best defender of all time in the NFL right now. That's fine. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Number three, the beer maker, Travis Kelsey. What do you think of the Chiefs having two of the top three talents? in all the NFL. My first thought is that people who are upset about Aaron Donald stop Aaron Donald. It's basically how good is this player over the next guy at his position? I think that's kind of how they did this list. It's not positional value because Quentin Nelson is at number four. No one's saying you're going to draft a guard fourth overall. That's not how this works. So I'm okay with Patrick at number two. Don't freak out. It's not saying I don't love Patrick. Obviously, Patrick's the most valuable player in the NFL, but you're kind of taking positional value out of the equation here. That long-winded explanation out of the way, I I don't know about Travis at number three. (laughs) Like, Travis Kelsey is clearly the best tight end in the NFL, right? Like, if we're going... If we're going off this metric, Travis is clearly the best. If you say George Kittle, I know you tried jumping in there. I'm going to fly to Indianapolis and kick your ass. (laughs) Like... But like George Kittle plays four games a year. So yeah, those four games are great, but congratulations. I don't disagree. So if they're going off that metric, I kind of get it. But is Travis Kelsey, 
you know, that much better than George Kittle or, or Darren Waller than whoever the next position player is over that guy. It's just tough seeing. I don't know. I'm not going to complain. Like I'm, I'm stoked about it, but this obviously ruffled a lot of folks feathers on Twitter. I mean, what do you think, Matt? You're shaking your head as if you're disgusted by the fact I think it's okay. Travis is third. Not at all, man. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. My body language must be as bad as my Twitter communication skills because I, yeah, I'm good with it. You know what I love? I love anything that makes any or all of these chiefs household names because the more popular they are, the more the chiefs are talked about, even the more that the chiefs are hated, the more money they make. So, you know, hey, I'm down for my favorite guys getting as much acclaim as they can. Is Travis Kelsey the number three player in the entire NFL, no matter what metric? I mean, you know, between you and me and this microphone, I mean, no, you know, no one's going to. Plane tickets booked, Matt. Plane ticket is booked. <laughs> I'm coming to Indy. We're throwing hands. Okay, here's so here's what I would take offense to. Is Tyreek Hill being all the way? I mean, speaking of Chiefs being misrepresented, Tyreek Hill is rated at number 18 on this list. And I think if you ask 32 NFL general managers who the single most, uh, like the single greatest offensive weapon in the game, it's got to be Tyreek, right? Well, I don't necessarily have a problem him with him being 18 because... Because he's listed as the third wide receiver on this list behind Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. No one's I think no one's taking Tyreek behind Devontae Adams. No one. No one. Dude. In a secret you, poll. In a secret poll. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah, whatever. Are we just gonna agree to disagree? You just gonna come here and dude, Yeah, we Yeah, man, like I love Tyreek Hill. He's easily a top five wide receiver in the NFL. I will give you that top three. I think he's right there at three to four. That's that's where he's at. No one. I, you're telling me you would take Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins over Tyreek Hill. I, I just don't think you would. Like I, would I, I just Nuke. don't. I would take Nuke over Devontae and Tyreek over Devontae and, and maybe even others. I just. I think there's an overabundance of love there. I think a lot of that's Aaron Rodgers. Why do you hate Devontae Adams so much? Like, what did he do to your family? Why did he, did he like murder like six kids that you like you were close with? Like, I don't, I don't understand this hatred. He replied to my Twitter saying that I intended not favorite chiefs, but all time chiefs. And he gave me some slack for it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Chris Jones came in at 19, which is the second interior defense alignment. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yep. I, I, I mean, end of day, though, you have four Chiefs in the top 20. Again, it's pro football focus. They have their own metrics. They don't always post why they do what they do, but they are a fairly well-respected metric to go off of. So having four Kansas City Chiefs in the top 20, to me, seems like a huge honor. This was a list of top 50, and... These were the only four Chiefs, which brings us to the question of, you know, where's Tyron Matthew? Tyron Matthew, to me, kind of seems like he's on the cusp of that top 50. Is Joe Tooney? Tooney. You know, is he is he going to be in the cusp of this top 50? Orlando Anyone Brown? Really st- 
Orlando Brown. Like, were you surprised none of those three guys were in the top 50? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. But let's not remember. <laughs> let's not remember. Let's not forget. I mean, 32 teams of 55-ish players. What is the, what it used to be a 53 man roster, but they upped it to like 55 on game days or something. And then you could add an extra offensive lineman, whatever it is. You know, I mean, that's like you got thousands of players. The chiefs have four of the top 20. I'm going to stop my complaining there. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, like, you know, maybe some people want to get in the weeds. Like Ron Parker should be 234 versus, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, anyway, by the way, hat tip to Ron Parker, who just found out he's getting inducted into the Newberry College Athletics Hall of Fame. That's really all I have to say about it. But hey, Ron Parker, shout out. That's Yeah, c- congratulations. Big go. shout outs to you. <laughs> I, I was honestly, I was okay that Tyron wasn't top 50. I feel like if it went to like 75, we'd see Tyron Matthew. Yeah. That seems about where I would put him. Honestly, Jamal Adams, I didn't see on this top 50 list. I, I would probably still have Jamal Adams above Tyron Matthew. I don't think necessarily on this team, but I think if you're taking it from a, you know, look at it from a 30,000 foot view and you're looking down like player to player, I think most people would go Jamal Adams. Yeah, probably. But probably. But I, don't ha- I don't have a huge issue. I thought this list was pretty well thought out. And yeah. again, like you said, four Chiefs in the top 20. I'm not saying bleep. I <laughs> can't beat that. Hey, uh, but we do have plenty more to say uh, in just a few minutes. We'll be back after the break with Scott Loring with, uh, to talk a little bit more about his training camp preview and matchups he'd like to see. You're listening to the AA podcast. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic podcast. My name is Matt Connor. I'm thrilled to welcome. Arrowhead addict contributor, good all-around guy, great editorial mind, Scott Loring. Scott, how are you doing? Doing well, Matt. Thanks for the good. invitation to join the show. Very excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. If if you aren't following Scott on Twitter, he is a hidden gem of a follow. I'm not just saying that because he writes for the site that I'm the editor. Although, of course, I'm biased in that way. But seriously, the the tidbits statistical finds uh sometimes you find like a real diamond in the rough and you're like why doesn't this guy have multiple more followers than he does now at chief's channel is there scott you just wrote a piece about training camp matchups so i'm 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 so glad to have you on the show it was a good excuse to to pull you in um you know like one month out from from training camp at St. Joseph. First of all, I'd love to know how you feel about the off season overall. Like, do you have a letter grade for me? I would have to consider a letter grade. Uh, I would I would call it about a B. I am um, I'm pretty thrilled about what they've done with the offensive line, like everybody else. I do think that the uh, the defense has some things that we still want to see improvement on. So I'm going to give it a B. But there's um, you know, based on what we what we see with the NFL with moving parts and also how everybody knows the Chiefs are at the top of the mountain, I think we've got to be pretty pleased overall, uh, in particular with the Baltimore Ravens uh, trading us a left tackle. So we're really appreciative to 
our good friends in Baltimore for doing that. Our good friends in Baltimore. Love it. Love it. Well, let me ask you this, Scott, because you, you brought up Baltimore, you brought up the import Orlando Brown Jr. I know he's one of the guys that you're most excited about seeing. And there's kind of some nuance there with like a new face and a new place that he's wanted to play in that position versus another. Yes. And that is the number one matchup that I'm looking forward to seeing. That's Chris Jones against Orlando Brown. You have two guys here that can really pack some power into every snap. And so I'm looking forward to just watching these dogs go to, go to battle, uh, seeing Chris Jones at defensive end, obviously moving to a new position. And as you said, you know, Orlando Brown moving to a new spot, he's moving from right tackle to a permanent place there at left tackle. It's where he's always wanted to play. It's where his father played. And so we're going to see two guys that are both looking for something. They've got something to prove at their new spot and they're going to be going up against each other. And it's, it's all for fun. It's not even in our, uh, in, in our regular season schedule, but we're just going to watch our guys put the pads on and hit. And so I think um, seeing them in their new positions, as well as uh, just watching them go up against each other is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Let me ask you this. Um, Orlando Brown, heavy run system, right side in Baltimore is now making the switch to play for Andy Reid, play the left side, fill Eric Fisher's shoes. Chris Jones is going from, if he's not the second best defensive tackle disruptor at defensive tackle in football, he's third, right? Like he's got to be arguably top three. He's right likely there. Yeah. Top two, right? In other words, elite disruptor from the middle to now playing outside Part time, no one, no one knows how much at this point, and maybe they'll fool around with that in camp to even figure that out. Like maybe the Chiefs don't know, but that's two guys who were Pro Bowl or All Pro performers at one position, now being tasked to do something different uh, for a Super Bowl contender. Are you believers that? Are you believers in both that they're both going to be able to maintain that level of play in this new position or system? I am. And for very different reasons. And I'll start with Brown. Brown is six, eight, and he's about 345 pounds. He has played. So here's the downside. Like you mentioned, he played right tackle in a Ravens offense that looks very different from the chiefs offense, but he's left-handed, which is a great natural fit for playing left tackle. He's going to have a, a stronger base on handling that edge rusher on the left side. He has lived his whole life wanting to be a left tackle, like longer than any of us ever could have because his father <laughs> was a left tackle in the NFL. That's yeah. This is his dream position. And he's he's geared up and ready for this like, like nobody else could be. He also, uh, we don't know as well as the Chiefs do about how important it is to have him in his vertical sets, I think, especially. Uh, but they clearly did their homework. They traded away a first-round pick, and they're comfortable enough with Orlando Brown in his vertical sets playing left tackle uh, for this team. So, you know, they dealt away that first-round pick. They did get a pretty nice second-rounder in return, yeah, which yeah. everybody was pretty thrilled about. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to give away that first-rounder, obviously that's a huge investment. So, so they know enough about Brown to say, yes, this is our guy. And it's not, I don't think it's the same case as with Jones where, where he might switch back over to right tackle. 
This is a guy with one year left on his contract, and he's going to play 16, sorry, 17 games at left tackle. This, that is going to take me a long time to get used to, isn't it, Matt? 17 games. Yeah. Um, he's going to play 17 games at left tackle this year, point blank. So Jones, on the other hand, I think it's going to be more of a let's wait and see, but they know what they have in him. They've, they've had him on the roster for five years, so they know exactly what Chris Jones is, and there's a need there. But I think if if they see success more inside or things aren't working on the outside, then yeah, they'll they'll move them back in. They'll do what it takes to win. So there is a little bit of a of a variance there, I think, in in where they're gonna play. Brown is entrenched at left tackle. He's not going anywhere. Jones yeah. is, is gonna be moving around quite a bit. Well, I, I love what you're saying, and 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 that's a good reminder too of just you know, as fans, there has to be at some level an acceptance of trust of the team, which, you know, if you're rooting for the Jets or if you're rooting for the Jags or, uh, or some other, you know, also ran, then maybe you're out of luck and, and that part of fandom sucks. But, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're like, you know, hey, you got to trust the guy that traded the first round pick. So I think that's a good point. In addition to everything you said. I'm I'm excited to see him maul there. By the way, like like Brown is so by far the heaviest chief play. Like like it's going to be a lot of fun to see a guy that big out there. Don't you think? Totally, and I'm also eager to see just just what they do differently with the offensive line. If mm-hmm. if uh, particularly in the run game, and we can get into that later. But what a guy like Brown and Tooney. And some of these other guys that they've acquired, if if they're going to maybe swing things around a little bit in the running game, yeah, I I certainly think so. I th- I think we've got a good preview of of things to come. Uh, you know, watching Clyde and 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 Daryl and maybe even Jerick McKinnon sort of featured more as as part of a more balanced offense with the Maulers we have. Um, let me let me ask you this: What are some other training camp matchups or just even players that you're excited to see like, like less than a month from today, we're going to, we're going to see training camp begin to unfold in St. Joseph. Well, speaking of Clyde, I think, I think seeing him against Nick Bolton is going to be fascinating because Mm -hmm. on the one case in the, in the passing game, I think we are all left with a little bit of a little, uh, a little bit left on the shelf with what we wanted to see with Clyde in the downfield passing game. And that is considered to be a weakness for Nick Bolton, who is um, our own co-writer, Lyle Graverson, comped Nick Bolton. Do, do you remember what he comped him as? I don't. He said his player comp for Nick Bolton was Kareem Hunt, if Kareem Hunt played linebacker. And <laughs> I feel like that's perfect. He's he's an excellent tackler. He's great in the run game. I'm not worried about that. I, w- I want to see Nick Bolton cover in the NFL. And so I think watching him against Clyde is going to be a great test. Also, are they going to get Clyde out in some routes? Are we going to see him out in some routes besides just being in the flat? That's that's what I want to see. And as for the running game, you know, how how are they utilizing Clyde differently uh in particular with in, in tandem with that offensive line? What are they doing? Are they running more power? Are we sticking with these zone schemes? Those are the kinds of things I'm interested to look for, but seeing Clyde out on pass routes and having having Nick Bolton in coverage against him is, is one thing that I'm really looking forward to watching. Mm. I, I love that. I love that. But you know, sometimes a college prospect has a hard time or will, will develop a negative slant on their reputation. 
like they can't do something much of the time that's linked to what they weren't asked to do. Right. I mean, like, like I remember sitting, I sat down with Jeff Ferris like a month ago. He's the offensive coordinator at Duke. And we were talking about Noah Gray and he said, Hey, look, you know, people, people like, like, you know, talk negatively about Noah Gray's blocking skill, but like, we didn't ask him to block, you know, uh, a lot, you know, we like, it wasn't like a heavy weight on his shoulders. He was, he was lined up outside, you know, he's, he's in the slot, you know, like, you know, they depended on his hands in the passing game, not as some sort of inline blocker. So, you know, just because there's not a lot of tape on what some of these guys weren't asked to do, doesn't mean they can't. Now I'm not trying to make an excuse. Like maybe that is a weakness, but, but do you think that's part of the parcel with Bolton? It can be. And, and this is where you want to trust where you're getting your scouting reports from too, because the you know NFL scouts will talk about what a player can do. This is rule number one in, in scouting is, is when you're making those reports for your team that, that you talk about what they can do. You don't worry about what they can't do that. You want to supply your, your employer with every bit of information about what this player can do. So if you're reading uh, somebody talking about what a, a guy cannot do that probably isn't coming from um, the same caliber of scouting department. But uh, with a guy like Gray, who has played wide receiver, he's played quarterback, he's played tight end. The guy, you know, they always want to say this about a guy. He's a football player. He, he fits in that category where it's just, you know, wherever it, wherever we need him to work right now, maybe Noah Gray's the kind of guy that that we can plug him in there. So mm. the Chiefs thought enough about him to say, let's move up in the draft and get this guy because we want him. So he's going to be an interesting part of this puzzle. And that's another matchup that I'm really eager to see. And that's him against Tyron Matthew. Here you've got an electrifying leader of the defense. When he's matched up against Noah Gray, I, I want to see what they do with that. I think that's going to be a fascinating. Uh, just in terms of size, it's an obvious mismatch, but I think it'll be a great challenge to see Noah Gray's mental approach when he's covered by a guy like Tyron Matthew. What does he do? And what kind of impact will Noah Gray have on this offense if they really want to use him in big chunks of the snaps? You you were talking about the importance of McCole Hardman in relation to that in your story. But for listeners, can you explain that a bit more? Yeah. So I, I really think that if we're going to have McColl as the number two receiver, as so many people want him to be, which that obviously makes sense here. You've got a third year receiver. He's, he, he's, he's the most electric player we have behind Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. A lot of people want him to step in and be that wide receiver too. Right. But the, the problem there is that he is a he is a Z receiver, and that's what Tyreek Hill plays. So you've got two guys that specialize in playing off the line of scrimmage. You can move them around in motion as the as the ball's being snapped. Well, NFL real estate, you can only have one player in motion. So those are both guys that fit in that same role. And X and Z are are different receivers. It's no different from as we talked about with Orlando Brown, moving from right tackle to left tackle. It's not always as easy as just saying, okay, well, you're going to be the X now. You can't tell the third baseman, you're just going to play second base now. You know, there's a difference between a point guard and a shooting guard. The, yeah. at, at the NFL level, this is exacerbated. It, it's just one of those things where in order to make it work, you've got to be sure of it. And that's not that's not McCole Hardman. He he is a Z receiver. And so to, to get back into this with Noah Gray, here's how Noah Gray impacts this, is that McCole Hardman can fit if both he and Tyreek Hill are off the line of scrimmage. 
then what do you have up there? You've got to have Noah Gray and Tyre and Travis Kelsey as two tight end sets. And I think if you have that, if, if, if we use enough of that, those two tight end sets, this 21 personnel, they call it, where you have two tight ends, Noah Gray and Travis Kelsey, plenty of, plenty of impact there in the running game. And then you can move around both Hill or, or Hardman, uh, during the snap, you can use either one of those guys in motion. And then that opens up an array of things, which only Andy Reid can, <laughs> can do. There's, there's an immense number of things that you can do from that. So you've got, you've got Mahomes, you've got Clyde. If, if teams are going to come with a nickel against that, which I would, then you can just run against it, double tight. But if teams try to bunch up, then you just pass all day against it. So that, that could create – we've talked about this for years, about a double tight end set. But Noah Gray finally gives us a, a guy that that perhaps could could really fit in that role. So everybody, of course, is very eager to see what he brings to the table. Mm, no doubt, no doubt. Scott, I, I have one more for you. I, we are talked earlier about Clyde, and like it's easy to get most excited about rookies. Uh, you know, any asset that we haven't seen yet is the most exciting. Oh yeah. But you know, it's the lure of mystery. But you know, you always say, you know, you're drafting for the next year, like, like give them a year. And so that means then Clyde, that means Willie. And I guess I'd love your thoughts there. Willie Gay Jr., second year linebacker. I mean, are, are you excited to see him in training camp? Very. I, I don't think there's one player on the roster whose pendulum swings higher this year than Willie Gay. You have a, oh. a very large, very active, athletic personality player in the middle of your defense but at the same time every game we were saying why aren't they playing willie why aren't they so there's something going on there that rookie season so right now it's it's what what is his ceiling and what is his floor i think his i think the difference between willie gay's ceiling and floor in 2021 is bigger than any other player here but we need him right i mean we need this guy this year and without Damien Wilson, he's going to get some snaps. He's going to get a lot of snaps. And we need him in those nickel packages. We need him in the dime. We need him in the dime, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> but I think early on, we're going to learn a lot about Willie Gay because he is this really athletic piece in the middle of the, the defense that we have not seen since Derek Johnson. But mm-hmm. early on in the schedule, who are some teams we see early? Baltimore, Buffalo, Philadelphia. And look at what do those quarterbacks have in common? All mobile, all mobile, and the guy that we're going to count on in the in the linebacking core to to try to shut those guys down has got to be Willie Gay. So I'm really excited to see in those first five weeks what do we have uh, in terms of whether he's a spy, whether he, it's delayed blitz, whatever they're doing with Willie Gay, uh, and and of course in coverage we want to see him in coverage. Uh, we want to see what he does, but but with those quarterbacks early on, we're going to get a really good idea on what all they want to do with Willie. Uh, in terms of defending the mobile quarterback. So, you know, we know what we have in Patrick Mahomes, and he's not going to be hitting Patrick Mahomes, but I sure am excited to see what are they doing with Willie Gay in training camp? What are they doing when Mahomes scrambles out of the pocket, which he's going to do, you know, when he moves around? What what are they going to do uh, with Gay in those in those circumstances? Love it. Scott, wealth of knowledge. Always, always love uh, your perspective on the site. We need to have you back again more and more. Any parting thoughts for us uh, before we sign off? Well, I can tell you as the uh, as the new owner of a bunch of chickens and ducks and geese that uh, <laughs> geese are a lot more friendly than you think. Um, I 
<laughs> you didn't think I was going to go here, did you? So I didn't think you were going to sign off with a barnyard anecdote, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> listeners, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, I grew up in Kansas City. I moved to it. I live two miles outside of a town with no stoplight. Okay. And I can, I can pee in my yard. I can be as loud as I want. And let me tell you, uh, when the wife says she wants chickens, you get chickens. When the wife says she wants ducks, now we have geese. Man, you got a regular animal sanctuary there. We do. I like we do. it. You should come visit, Matt. <laughs> I like it. I will. I will. Scott, thanks so much for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Matt. I appreciate you. We'll be right back after the break with a few more words from Sterling and myself. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. I'm here with Sterling. We just sat down with Scott Loring, who you can follow at Chief's channel and see his stuff at arrowheadaddict.com. Sterling, before we close out the show, can we talk about a little bit more about Travis Kelsey and I mean providing free Bud Light for Kansas City football fans? Can you love this guy any more than you love him? Um, how much do you love Travis Kelsey? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'd say at least eleven. Love at it. least eleven. Rank those. The hands. only. I mean the. <laughs> You see this when it goes it goes up to eleven though. It that was a terrible British accent. I would be a horrible British actor. Oh, no. I feel like I kind of look a little bit British, and people like would could see me and be like, I could see him having a British accent. And then you hear me talk with like with that, and you'd be like, No chance, this guy's <laughs> no chance. No, I love Travis Kelsey. The only thing better would be if it was Boulevard. If it was Boulevard Beer, I would wherever he's going, I would follow. But I don't understand how it works. Like, I don't get how we're going to all of a sudden, like, am I just going to be at my home and like, instead of like throwing newspapers, someone's going to be throwing a Bud Light on my doorstep. <laughs> it's going to be one can attached to like a plastic ring of six. They just, like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you it's know- like the, the redneck version where you have one can left on the plastic <laughs> ring. And so you put it in your belt loop so you can tie it around and just pop one off whenever you need an emergency beer. Uh, I love the way you think. Um, yeah, you know, I actually, I actually reached out. I got this press release from Bud Light saying Travis Kelsey provides free beer for fans. And I was like, how does this work? And then their only response was like, we don't know yet more details to come. So it almost makes me wonder, like if someone at Bud Light was like, I'll get free beer. If Travis Kelsey can hit that golf shot, 250 yards. And then he does it. (laughs) And then they're like, oh shit. Uh, all right, I guess free beer. We'll figure it out later. So, <laughs> yeah, they even yeah, made we'll up a holiday. We'll figure it out later. They, yeah, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> they even made it. They even made a holiday. It's October twenty fourth is National Tight Ends Day. Mark your calendars, folks, to celebrate the likes of of Blake Bell and uh, and put our hand over our heart for Tony Moiaki or something. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to get free beer on that day and we'll figure out how it works as soon as Bud Light figures out how it works. I want a milkman, like the old school milkman <laughs> to come by and give me a, I don't know, a liter, a gallon, a gallon of Bud Light. <laughs> Can I change my order to Bush Light? Can I get something different? Can I get a, a you know, a, boulevard space camper can i can i change my order please how 
I am intrigued. I'm thoroughly intrigued, and I know every single bar is going to be pissed off because they're going to see drunk idiots go, can I get my free Bud Light? Can I? Yeah. Yeah, they've got to roll this out well. Who knows? One last thing I want to talk to you about is Larry Fitzgerald. There's been talk if he should come to Kansas City, talk if the Chiefs should go after and take a look at Larry Fitzgerald. Everyone keeps saying, well, what about the red zone? Maybe he can take over that big body threat that Kansas City seems to lack. He's like 48. I mean, he is... I understand some of the the talk around him because it's a name that everyone knows. The talk around Des Bryant went on for years and years. I just think at some point you got to say, hey, it's time to hang him up, man. I I don't know what he would bring to this team outside of that veteran presence. Right. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Yeah, we don't disagree. Look, mad respect to Larry Fitzgerald. His first Pro Bowl was in the same year that Dustin Colquitt was making his rookie punts for the Chiefs. Like, that's a hell of a career that we're still talking about him into the 20s after the millennia. I mean, like, that's just crazy. That's crazy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We would have been very happy to have Larry Fitzgerald in Kansas City in any of the previous 16 years that he's been playing. But yeah, there's no, you know, he's not creating separation. He's not going to fill the wide receiver two role in Kansas City uh, at the X spot that they need. Instead, he's going to, you know, he'd he'd be further down the food chain and he doesn't play special teams. And that right there automatically leaves it out. It's it's a silly thought. It's 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 a nice thought if you're playing Madden. It's a fun thought if you're like, I'd like a cool guy I recognize to make headlines as a signing and june right yeah but honestly how many times do we have to see we've signed Darrell revis we've signed Lashawn mccoy we've signed Le'Veon bell like like how many veteran additions in the summer are we going to get excited about or even into the season and then learn oh uh, yeah they were available for a reason because they've got nothing left to offer is melvin ingram a actual possibility. No, I want Melvin Ingram here. I think he saw something left in the tank too. I do. But I do. that could be one where maybe we don't realize he has nothing left. Because it, typically if you're around this long, there's probably a reason. Even Jadavian Clowney. I mean, Jadavian Clowney, we all kept saying, when's he going to get signed? When's he going to get signed? And part of it was, was COVID. And part of that was the salary cap. No one knew what was going on. Then he got signed for pennies on the dollar, what everyone thought. And not only did he get hurt, but when he was healthy, he was pretty bad. Sometimes the NFL, they might know know a little bit more than we do. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe. maybe the scouts in the front office, you know, maybe just a little bit. Maybe the team that's been to back to back Super Bowls, they might have a better insight than us. I don't know. Just spitballing here. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I'll say this. I'll add one more piece to this, and then I can be done. But are you saying, I know not, you're not saying, but in general, look at all the guys who are still available at pass rusher. Everson Griffin, Olivier Vernon, Justin Houston, you know, Melvin Ingram. Are you saying all these guys have hit the wall at the same time? There's, is there really no veteran left that has something to offer? Houston put up decent production last year. 
So no, no. I'd love to see I, someone added is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm 100% with you, man. I, like, I'm not going to go ahead and say every single one of those guys all of a sudden went from being productive pass rushers to being just, oh my gosh, they can't even get off the line of scrimmage. Like Justin Houston over the past two seasons has been better than Frank Clark. Yeah, That's not really much of a debate. That's just, it is what it is. I don't think he's completely hit a wall, but maybe he's wanting to get a three-year contract. Teams want to offer him a one. Maybe Melvin Ingram saying, either I sign for th- for X amount or I'm not playing. Because a lot of these guys, they've, they've made a lot of money. They've made a boatload of money. They probably don't need the money. They're saying, if I can get this amount, if I can get $10 million a year, I'll play. If a team's going to only offer, offer me six, is it really worth it? I could retire, go off in the sunset, not be injured. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot more at play than just, hey, these guys are old guys who are all washed up. I think there are some nuances yeah. that might make a, make some sense here. Yeah. And, and just as a note, if you've been through, you know, like remember when you were senior in high school compared to your freshman year, right? Freshman year, you're like, got to make sure I know where all the hallways are at, where my classroom is at and my locker and you time everything. By the time you're a senior, you like show up late. Whatever. I mean, if you've been through nine NFL off seasons of training, don't you just tell your agent, uh, just find me a home by training camp. I could really care less about the rest. So maybe all these guys are just saying, I don't even want to bother signing. Cause I just like, like I'm not even taking phone calls cause I'm in Aruba for the next month. I'll let you know when I'm ready. And of course I've got something in the tank. That's a really good point. I did not think about, they might just be like, you know what? Call me around preseason. I'll come in. I'll, I'll get a few snaps and you know, I'm good to go. That's like what I would do. I've done this. Yeah. I mean that. Wow. Matt. Boom. I've got some good things to say, despite my Twitter takes. Anyway, take us out. Horrendous. Horrendous. Uh, if you want to see Matt's horrendous, horrendous, awful, awful Twitter takes Matt Connor, AA on Twitter. If you want to see my phenomenal, always correct. It could never phenomenal. be wrong. They're pretty terrible as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter at HomestretchKC. Thank you again to Scott Loring Chief's channel on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys' time. If you wouldn't mind dropping us a review, giving us five stars on your podcast, wherever you listen to. I, I'm an Apple Music guy. If you, if you do Apple Podcasts, go there. Uh, we'll be back next time, next week. We're out of here. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.